today, we're going to read from Luke chapter 12, 35 through 40. It's on page 871 in the Bibles that are in the pews. And if you do not own a Bible, please take one as a gift from the church. We want you to have that. Luke chapter 12, 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at his table, and he will come and serve him, them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know that, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Thanks, Jeremiah. Well, hi, I'm Nathan. I don't know if we've met. Um, you don't know me. It's okay. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm one of the, uh, the senior pastors of Christ Community. I spend most of my time at our Olathe campus. Uh, it is really, really good to, to be here, to be here with you. I shared last time when I was here, um, I am Rachel's brother. Uh, Rachel, who's married to Pastor Bill, uh, who leads here. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my connection there. It's, uh, it's super fun. I think she's around here somewhere. She and I are really close. Oh, there she is. Aw, my little sister. She's uh, eight years younger than me. I can tell you all kinds of stories. I won't, um, unless you come up and ask later. Um, but I'm so, so grateful to be here. I love Bill and Rachel. Uh, I don't hold it against him much that he married my sister. Um, but what a great pastor you have in this space. And really the whole team. I mean, what a joy it is to see what God has done, you know, looking back over the last five, five and a half years here in this space and the way that God continues to move in this community um, through all of you, uh, not through any one leader, right, uh, but through us together as a church. And so what a joy uh, that is to, to see and to, to be a part of. I just spent this, this past week uh, with the campus pastors and senior pastors. Uh, we do kind of an annual retreat, I guess, three days uh, to pray to plan, to laugh a lot. We like each other. Um, it's just really exciting uh, to see what God is doing across our city uh, and to be a part of that together. Multi-site is, it's a weird thing, especially if you're, if you're new today, like, okay, how many campuses? What is it? What's a campus, right? right we, have, we have five campuses, five local churches spread across our city, all under one name, one group together, one team, uh, led hopefully by Jesus, uh, by his spirit, but together. Um, and that's, that's a weird thing to do, right? Uh, it's complex. It's hard. Uh, there are times when it's, uh, it's frustrating. But it is so beautiful that we get to do this together. I, mean, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. The camaraderie, the accountability, uh, the ways in which we get to share resources. And then together, look at what God does um, across our city. So thanks for being a part of that. We know it's a, it's a strange mission, um, and yet we believe that's what God has called us to. Thank you for your investment here, for being a part of that, uh, for letting me come, um, for not walking out uh, when I'm up here. Um, we'll see, right, once I get started. Um, but thank you for that. Let me, let me pray for us, and we'll jump into God's word this morning. Father, I'm so grateful for your church. I'm thankful that your church is not bound uh, by walls or geographic location, uh, and that we together, even as Jeremiah said, we 
Um, your people, we transcend all places, all time. People of every language and tribe and nation. God, what a beautiful picture that is. Give us a taste of that. And God, as we look at your word and try to understand more what Jesus, how he speaks into our lives, would you give us uh, both wisdom as well as um, a humble willingness uh, to see our shortcomings and to be changed by your spirit. We long for that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I am uh, 38 years old. And, you know, by this point, I'm just, I'm kind of stuck in my ways. I, see, it feels like with every, every year that goes by, I get a little bit more settled in who I am. I'm not, I'm not a curmudgeon yet. I'm saying I'm an aspiring curmudgeon. Like one day, that'll be in my future. Uh, but like, I, I've lived long enough to know that there aren't a lot of things anymore that really deeply change me, right? A lot of small changes, things that impact me, but like to, like to say this has revolutionized my life, that's a rare thing for me to say, probably for you as well. But let me just tell you, 14 months ago, something happened to me. My iPhone broke. <laughs> it's not funny. And because of, of warranty issues, it took eight days to be replaced. Huh? Right. I mean, when's the last time like you've gone eight days without it? I mean, let me, let me tell you the hardest part for me. Uh, it wasn't a desire to make a call. I mean, come on, right? Who am I going to call? Uh, it wasn't like I felt unconnected from the world or even unproductive. I mean, yeah, I missed some of those things. But the hardest part for me were, were the, the seconds, occasionally even whole minutes, people. I just had to, like, sit there. Like those moments of, of boredom or quiet or loneliness. Like even just a few seconds, my wife would get up for something. I'm like, well, I got, like, what am I supposed to do, right? Like I had, I had to think. I had to, I had to reflect. I had to daydream. I got bored, people. I mean, when is the last time you've been bored? And I realized over those eight days how many times instinctively, without, without even thinking about it, how many times I literally reached for distraction. Anytime I was alone or quiet or bored. And I realized, I think maybe I have a little bit of a problem. I am addicted to distraction. And this has sent me and, and my wife as well, she's come along with me on this journey, uh, on a bit of a quest to try to figure out, is there a better way, right? Is there something that I'm missing in, in my life? And, and thankfully, Bill and Rachel have been on a similar quest, so we've been able, we're, we're really good friends. We even went out last night for restaurant week together. Uh, and so to, to learn from one another, to sharpen one another, to say, is there, is there like something better in this? Uh, so much so that I spent a couple of months writing a proposal for a grant uh, to spend my, the time of my upcoming sabbatical studying the tension between nature and technology and its impact on our ability to experience awe. It sounds really interesting, doesn't it? Right? I didn't get the grant, by the way. Uh, jerks. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be bitter about that for a long time. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I didn't get it, but you know what? I don't need their money. Like, I could study this on my own. And so I, I've, since that time, I've begun reading all kinds of, of books and articles, trying to just understand for myself, really, and my family... Like, is there a better, a better way? Now, let me be clear. 
Because I know, I know what some of you are probably thinking. Okay, now, this guy is just like a Luddite, you know, hates technology. Like, that's not, that's not it at all. This has not pushed me away in that sense. Like, I, st- I still love my iPhone. I just upgraded it. It's awesome. Uh, I still love Netflix. My kids have screen time, right? I haven't moved off into a cabin in the woods, uh, mostly because my wife said no. Um, but I, I love technology, okay? And so if, if you're sitting here thinking, oh, man, our phones are changing us. Like, how many times you got to hear this? Like 18 months ago, when anybody would say that, I'd roll my eyes and think, just get over it. Life changes. People change. Deal with it, right? But then I experienced this, and, I, and I've done this research where I am convinced now, people, I'm convinced we have a problem. And if you don't think you do, just lock up your phone for a week. Try it. Or take a month off TV or social media or music or 24-hour news or sports or video games or whatever, whatever your thing is, right? It might be different for you than it is for me. But just try it. Because our distractions are destroying us. I mean, literally, right? We all know that playing with your phone while driving is kind of dangerous, right? And yet most of us still do it because, like, we would rather risk killing someone or ourselves than be alone, than be bored, than experience quiet. And it's not just our cars that we're driving. It's our lives, our families, our relationships, and our souls are at risk. I am convinced that one of the greatest inhibitors to following Jesus today, it's not just our sin or our doubt, not making light of those things, but many of us here, we're not actively rejecting Jesus. We're just too distracted to notice him around us. So let me ask our driving question for this morning. I say this as a fellow struggler. What has captured your attention? Like, where, where do you go in those moments of quiet, boredom, loneliness? What do you do? What has captured your attention? Turn to, turn to Luke 12 if you haven't already. Luke 12, we, we've started our year together as a church across all of our campuses with, with three weeks in the Gospel of Luke trying to just say, okay, as we start this new year, is there, is there a better way? Does Jesus show us something different? We've called this series Simply Different because that's who we believe we're supposed to be. As God's people, we are to be simply different. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about time and how we use our time and prioritize our time because we're so hurried all the time, aren't we? And so we focus on, well, does Jesus speak into that? Last, last week, we talked about money and the way that we think about our resources and, and, and wanting to do better as we think about what does it mean to live a generous life. And this morning, we're going to talk about our attention. Because this, this is a really common theme in the Bible. Like, it's not new. We sometimes say, oh, it's a new problem for us. No, we, we've always been addicted to distraction. So much so that a regular theme for, for Jesus and the disciples is this idea of, of be alert, pay attention, stay awake. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells us a story. Let me read again, beginning with verse 35. Jesus says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men and women who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants. Happy are they. 
whom the master finds awake when he comes. Well, what is he getting at? I mean, we're so far removed from the culture, like, what is this feast, this party? And I mean, we're just, we're just distant from it, right? We, we sometimes miss what's happening when Jesus says these words. Uh, Kenneth Bailey, he's one of the top uh, Middle Eastern scholars uh, of kind of that ancient time period. Uh, he he kind of describes what, what we miss, what the ancient listeners would have instantly heard, right? Uh, that most likely, even though Jesus just gives a few details, that this is some lavish celebration at the master's house, so when it says he goes home, he probably means he goes to the, the home portion of the house, like their, their living quarters. But it's this, this lavish party, right? This great celebration, this wedding feast. And it's, I mean, it's over the top, right? Hospitality, such a big deal in a culture like that. And they are celebrating. And the servants have worked around the clock to make sure everything's perfect. I mean, they have worked and worked and worked. And now it's, the party is raging. Everything's done. It's great. And so the servants go off. Their their work is essentially done. They go off to the home quarters, right? The servants' quarters. Because they're they're done. They can relax a little bit. But after a bit, again, most likely this is what Jesus is is referring to. After a bit, the master, party's still going. He slips out of the celebration. I mean, you kind of picture him. He's kind of sneaking away from the guests for for just just a little bit of time. And and he's got a, a... a, a tray filled with all of the best bits of the party, right? I mean, Little Smokies, Havarti, uh, jalapeno dip, a bottle of wine, right? He, all of it piled up, and he's, he's bringing it to the servants. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, the party's, the party's going, but you did the work, and there's plenty, and I want to celebrate with you also. And so the master, he sneaks out, he walks down the hall, And he gently knocks. And the tension that Jesus is building to is, will they hear it? Will they pay attention? And of course, Jesus is saying that one day he intends to do the same thing with us. You see, one of the things I love about this story is it just reminds me there's nothing new under the sun. Like dis- distraction, attention, it's always been a challenge for us. I mean, yeah, it looks different today than it did 2,000 years ago. But the fact that Jesus speaks into this, even there, like you've got to pay attention, right? Don't get distracted. Don't, don't lose your way. Like this is, this is not a new problem for humanity. This is why being a Luddite, right, anti-technology, that doesn't, that doesn't help us. Technology is not the problem. My problem is my chronic inattentiveness to God and to others. Right, to love God and love my neighbor as myself. I forget and I get distracted. And so we're not, we're not talking about going back to the good old days before the invention of the internet. I mean, gross. Like, would you want to? I mean, no. Right? We're, not, we're not talking about that. And besides, I mean, the only good old days, they were in the Garden of Eden, Right? Every generation since has been marred by heartache and sin, addicted to distraction. And yet we do need to understand the unique distractions of today, right? So for example, how much time every day do you spend out of arm's reach of your phone? Like, you know, like about yay far. And I doubt your arms are as long as mine, right? So I'm giving you a little extra. But like, like, how much time? 
I would guess the answer for most of us is like a big fat zero, at least on purpose. Like maybe you leave it down the hall on accident. I'm guessing most of us, we are almost never out of reach of distraction. Cherry Turkle, uh, she's a professor at MIT, which, you know, is not a backwards Luddite institution by any means. Uh, She compellingly argues in her book, Reclaiming Conversation, and you've got to read this book. Uh, It's so powerful. That our, that our brains have, and our, that our lives are, are being rewired by our devices. That, that we're not the same as we used to be. The way that we interact with one another, the way we can focus on certain things, certain tasks, certain people, certain relationships. Like, it's just, it's not who, we, we're not who we used to be. And she, she points at a handful of things, some of the easier examples, like empathy. We're not nearly as empathetic as we used to be as a culture. Like, and we know that, right? How angry are we about everything? Just go to any website and read the comments section on any topic. It doesn't matter. Somebody's mad about it, right? And they're going to tell you. Um, we've, lost, we've lost empathy. And she points to the fact, well, if you can be a bully and use terrible words to people but not see them melt, like not have to see them crushed under the weight of what you've just said, you don't, you don't learn how to empathize with people. She also points out how conversation is, it's not the same that it, that it used to be. We've, we've sort of, we've trained our brains to think in sound bites or, or, and to really only communicate meaningful things if we can edit them first, right? Like, oh, how should I say that, right? You can't do that in conversation. And she even points out that there, studies show that even just having an iPhone face down on a table with a group of friends reduces the depth of conversation because subconsciously everybody knows at some point it's going to be interrupted. Whatever happens on that thing is going to be more important than anything that we're talking about here. And so we just, subconsciously, we just don't, we don't go as deep with one another. And we are lonelier. We know this stuff, right? Nothing, nothing should surprise you here. Like, we are lonelier as humans than ever before. When do you feel relationally filled? After an hour on Facebook or texting friends or after a face-to-face, in-person, full-attention conversation with another human being? takes so much work and it's so risky to do that and so we we film our lives instead of enjoying them we stage our experiences to make them as awesome as possible right I mean your life isn't nearly as awesome as the Facebook page right it's that's we do that we, we teach our kids I teach my kids that the best things in life have to be performed in front of a camera for the approval of an audience of near strangers Think about that, right? I do that. We do that. It should tell us something when Steve Jobs wouldn't let his kids have an iPad. Uh, another helpful resource, uh, the elders are reading this one right now. I just finished it. Uh, it's free for a download. Um, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing. This is written from a Christian perspective. Um, just 12 simple chapters of kind of outlining the ways in which we're being changed and the way the gospel speaks into those things. Uh, for us. Uh, it's a free download audiobook on christianaudio.com. Uh, you have to create an account, but you don't have to, to buy anything or do anything uh, other than that. It could be helpful. Uh, maybe you saw the uh, Wall Street Journal article last week. Um, other syndicates picked up this, the same theme, but the, uh, the headline in the Wall Street Journal was iPhones and children are a toxic pair, say two big investors. Uh, and they cite, they cite uh, researchers that say that the average American teen now spends Let's see, what is it? Uh, four and a half hours every day on their phone. Like that's the, that's the average, right? Four and a half hours a day. Um, but then they go on and also cite that 
Those who spend only three hours a day, so like dramatically less than average, those who only spend three hours a day are 35% more likely, and those who spend five hours or more are 71% more likely to have a risk factor for suicide than those who spend less than one hour. And if you're not panicking yet, maybe a tiny bit, um, I'd also highly recommend the Atlantic's article in September. Uh, it's really, really good. Have smartphones destroy a generation? Sort of outlining some of these, these changes that, that researchers are beginning to see. And let me, just, let me just say, too, kids and students, I'm really glad that you're in here. And maybe it sounds like I'm harping on you. Um, I really don't mean it to sound like, like that. The reality is, like, we, your parents, have taught you this addiction. Like, we've handed you this. Like, said, like, just don't abuse it, right? I mean, we, we've done this. And frankly, we, your parents, we can't get off them either, Right? Like, we're just as addicted as you are. We just have, you know, we just structure the rules around ways that support us and, and hide it better often, right, for many of us. And so please don't hear this as an attack on you if you're, if you're younger. This is a, something we all deal with. And I know this, this is an easy target as we talk about distraction, right, smartphones, social media. But again, you can add 24-hour news, sports, music, Alexa, tell me I'm okay, Right? Alexa, tell me I don't have to be alone in the universe. And I personally, often, sadly, I would rather distract myself with the fictional lives of others on Netflix than be fully attentive to my own family or the people around me. Now listen, in moderation, these are great things, right? Maybe some of you work in technology, like, like, I am so thankful for these things. These things can be huge gifts for us. They can help us love God and love our neighbor, okay? But don't be naive in how severely addictive they can also become and how destructive those addictions can be. Because we wonder then, by solitude and silence, which are so important to our faith, aren't they? so important to being human. Why they feel like an ancient form of torture, don't they? We don't know how to be alone anymore. We don't know how to give sustained attention to anything. I mean, no wonder, like, reading our Bibles and praying why it can so often feel so boring. We just, we've lost some of our ability to focus. We wonder, then, why we don't see God at work around us. Why we don't, why we don't hear his gentle knock. It's sort of like all of life now is lived within that, you know, that restaurant with the TVs everywhere on the wall, right? You've been there, right? We all have. Or, or maybe over at a friend's house where the, the TV is always on. I mean, somebody's got to tell that guy to knock it off, right? That's, that's the worst. But like, have you ever been in those, those settings and then tried to have a meaningful conversation? And the reality is, it's not the sports bar now. Now it's, it's in our pockets. It's everywhere. We can't even be separate. We can't even be out of arm's reach from it. And maybe, maybe you think, well, yeah, but times change and we'll adapt and it'll be okay, right? Maybe. It's possible. Or, or maybe others of you think, well, yeah, but these things, they make me happy, right? Uh, they're, they're an outlet for me to, to, you know, to feel better, right? I mean, to some extent, yeah, that's why we keep going back. And yet, long term, not according to the research, they don't make us happier, 
And, and you see it with what Jesus says in this, this parable. That distraction actually robs us of joy. We, like, we think it's the, the best thing for us. Like we, want, we go after it. We want, we want that. But it actually robs us of joy. And attention, what Jesus is getting at is attention, sustained attention, actually fills us with joy. Raises our joy. Look, look what he says in verse, verse 37. Blessed are those servants. Happy, right? It's kind of the same idea. Happy in the Greek. Happy are they whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've read this passage. I've never seen that before. Like, are you following what he's saying? Not only does the master come with a, a plate full of everything good to offer to his service, not only that, when he gets there, for those who are attentive, who are paying attention, the master himself, like he puts on the apron. Like he says to his servants, sit down. Put your feet up. You've, you've done well. And he actually serves them. The master becomes the servant. God himself, Jesus, as our, as our waiter, Offering us everything that is good. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And I think, again, I think, I think we know that. I, I think we know the tension here. And, and we feel dissatisfied in some of these things. We just don't have the discipline to do it, right? We know the depletion we feel after 30 minutes of Facebook. You know, how it can so easily suck us dry. We, dry. We, we know we get greater satisfaction experiencing our lives rather than filming them for the joy of others. Like to quote Jim Gaffigan. I love that guy. He says, I have more pictures of my kids than my parents ever even looked at me. I mean, right? It's so true. And studies agree, right, that these things are not going to satisfy us, and yet I cannot help going back to them over and over again. Make me forget. Make me feel better. Make me whole. Give me the illusion of intimacy, friendship. The master wants to serve you. What has captured your attention? It's not hopeless, though. I mean, I'm convinced of that. Otherwise, I don't think Jesus would waste his breath, right? Telling us that it can, it should be otherwise. But it's going to take work. Attention takes work. Even in the story 2,000 years ago, right? As Jesus, he, as he started the story, what did he say? Look back at verse 35. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And, and the idea there is like, like, do something about it. Like, if we know our tendency to wander off or to, or to fall asleep or to get distracted by something else, then do something, Jesus says. That d- deliberate intention to actually stay focused. And what I love so much about Turkle's book, frankly, is just how hopeful it is. That it doesn't have to be this way. That, that our brains are actually fairly flexible. That if we go back, I mean, not, I'm not talking going back to the Stone Ages, but we go back to having real, in-person, meaningful relationships, like, our brain will heal itself. And she also points out, and I'm convinced of this, that y- you and I, I think most of us, are aware of how flimsy our distracted lives have become. And we know they're not giving us what they're offering to us, what they're promising us. 
And I want more out of life. I want more out of my experiences. I want more out of my relationships, my family. I want more out of Jesus. And so let me, let me just mention sort of three practical next steps. These are three things I've been, I've been trying on. Really this past year, call them our New Year's resolutions. I don't know. It's two years in the making, I guess, at the, or the start of the second year. But these are, these are three things we're just trying. Um, I think they flow out of this text. Let me offer them to you as some next steps. First off, put distraction in its place. Like, you're not a slave. I mean, you know that, right? You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to obey every time it rings or vibrates. Like, you can be in charge of it. It's not going to blow up, right? Nothing bad's going to happen if you put it down. Stop being a slave. Because so much of it is like, we don't even think about it. Like, I, how many times I've just, like, gone on Facebook, like, 30 minutes later, I'm like, where am I, right? I mean, it's like this, this time warp and everything kind of disappears around. Like, I mean, it does it. It sucks you in. Like, they're designed to suck you in. Regain control. Enjoy it, sure. Just don't let it be your boss. And so for some of you, maybe this means uh, doing a smartphone audit. Uh, so there are actually, because this is such a problem for us as, as humans, there are actually free apps that you can download that will track everything you do on your phone and how much time you spend. You know, do it for a week, do it for a month, and just, like, see how much. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Sounds terrible, right? It's like, I, don't, I, I, know, I skipped that step. I knew I had a problem. I didn't want to see the numbers. It, was, it would have been too atrocious. Uh, but maybe, like, if you're skeptical, maybe start there. Just like, well, maybe, how much time do I really spend, right? How many times? I mean, the, the, average, uh, the average American, I think, looks at their phone 150 times a day. So just maybe just see if you do that. Um, Test it out. Uh, so maybe for some of you, let me just say what some of the goals that we've made in trying to put distraction in its place for our family. And this is, this is my list. It's not your list. It's not meant to be your list, okay? Uh, but I want to be practical. So these are a few things. And let me just say we're failing at these. We're struggling through them. But these are some of the goals that we put in place for our family over this past year. First of all, um, my phone lives by the door when I get home. I started doing that. It's painful. I just set it aside. It just makes it, it's not that I can't go and look at it, right? It just makes it harder. Like, I have to get up off the couch or walk across the room. I mean, ugh, forget it. I didn't care anyway. Um, it, just makes it, it just makes it harder. So for me, I do that. Uh, also, uh, you know, it's absolutely not allowed at the dinner table, um, period. Uh, we've done a lot of, hopefully, some preemptive coaching with our kids. They're 10 and 8. Ask me in a couple years how this is going. I know. Um, but we've been trying to work on that early. Uh, we also, we bought a real alarm clock. Do you remember those? terrible. I hate it. But I tell you what, I've been sleeping better. I'm not, I'm not kidding. We absolutely have been sleeping. We don't, after eight o'clock, we don't look at our phones. Uh, and just even about a month or two ago, we decided in the mornings um, that we're not going to look at them until after we've prayed and read our Bible. Uh, for us, we just realized that we were starting either with, with gossip, work, or news. And we thought, you know what? I think I should start with Jesus. Um, and so we've been doing that, and we have truly been sleeping better uh, as a result. Uh, let's see, what else, what else have we done? Um, uh, when I go out, or when, when we go out as a family, I leave my phone at home. We don't need to, and I have the bigger problem. My wife is much more self-controlled than I do, uh, and so it, that allows me to not even have the temptation on me, right? So I can focus on my wife uh, if we're on a date with my kids, if it's a family night or with friends, if, if we're hanging out with friends. I don't need it, right? You don't need it. I know you're thinking, like, what if there's an emergency? It's like, come on, 
right? What emergency? Uh, we're always so obsessed with some emergency happening. Um, stop worrying so much. Uh, I also, I deleted Facebook from my phone, so I have to go to the, my desk to, to look at it. it. makes it just a conscious choice. Uh, I also deleted plants versus zombies, um, which was super hard for me, but it was a problem. Um, I still miss it occasionally. Uh, I've done that. We, with TV, we try to limit the nights we watch and how much we watch. With music or in the car, we just, we try to, we love music. We just try to make it a conscious, conscious choice. Is it because I can't stand to be alone right now, quiet with my thoughts, or is it because I want to listen to music um, and just try to ask ourselves, is this really what I, what I want? Uh, we also spend way more time outside than we ever used to. This is kind of the other part of some of that research that I mentioned at the start. Um, and that has been amazing uh, because it's, it's undistracted, right? Essentially, if you don't bring your devices with you. And so we go on a, this year, I cannot tell you, I should, should sort of add it up how many miles we walked as a family um, or, or Kelly and me together. Maybe that's not your thing. We do it in the winter. We did it Saturday as a family. It's just become, we've kind of told our kids now this past year, it's like, this is just what it means to be a miller. On Saturdays, we go for hikes. Sorry, guys. Um, and they come along, and they complain at the start, and they're happier uh, and love it at the end, almost, almost without fault. Because studies show, right, when you, when you do that, not only that, that, that undistracted space, it opens, opens you up to awe, uh, to self-reflection, and to each other. Three things that, frankly, we are shy on as a culture, aren't we? And so we do that a ton together. And listen, as I said, we fail at these. This is my list. It might not be your list. I get that. Um, but we have been happier. Our relationships, our friendships are stronger. Our marriage is stronger. Our family is stronger. And we're more attentive to God. I think we're more watchful than we've ever been. Put distraction in this place. Second, these get shorter, by the way. Um, second, be with the people you're with. This is, a, this is another aha for us this past year is the, the incredible importance of actual, meaningful, in-depth, in-person, full-attention relationships. Um, I'm an introvert. My wife's an introvert. It's so easy just to retreat. And we want to. We need that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Um, but this year has taught us, we, even when we're not feeling like it, like, man, we're putting stuff on the calendar with our close friends because it's so life-giving. We need that. You need that. And the temptation in a culture that's so, so connected, right, is to trade artificial connection or fictional intimacy for real friendship. Don't do that. You need something more. You're created for something more. Um, Simon Wheel defines it like this. Love is focused attention. It's not warm feelings. It's not being a good provider. It's paying attention. Uh, that rang true for me a few years ago. I was putting my son David to bed. He was maybe five at the time, and, you know, it was one of those, some of you remember those days, or you're in those days, or you can at least imagine those days where it's like the bedtime routine. It's just, it's the same thing over and over and over. It's so long, and I know I should enjoy the moment. I get that. But, you know, after a while, you just get a little bit, it gets, it gets tedious. And so I was putting him to bed, and I was sitting on his bed, and I was just bored out of my mind. So I got on my phone to start weeding through emails. And my son, David, He's a talker. He's our extrovert. He was just jabbering away, and I wasn't listening to a thing. And he just stopped. He wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. He's too young at that point. He just wanted to know. He said, Dad, is that important? Oh. No! Like, not even a little bit. Like, I, 
I mean, that was such another one of those moments that just shook me out of it. And listen, if we can't, if we, God's people, the church, called out by God, redeemed by Jesus, empowered by his spirit, if we can't be different here in each other's lives, man, where, where? Like, where's that going to happen? Like, what place is there left for meaningful, in-depth relationships with the church? We have got to do it. And if you need help with that, if that hasn't been your experience, let me, like, we have community groups. Uh, a new semester is about to start. We want to help you get involved. Contact Paul, um, one of the staff members. We, we need this. And the people sitting around you need it, even if you don't think you need it. And they need you now more than ever. Okay, last. Most importantly, stay attentive to the one who's always attentive to you. This is the hardest. This is the point of the text, right? And we talked about that other stuff because it's important in our culture to understand the implications of this text on our culture today. But what Jesus is saying is like, don't miss me, right? Like he's, he's coming back. He's here present with us now. And the master wants to serve you plate piled high with everything good. Are we watching for him? I mean, he, he's never distracted. Think about that. When is the last time you've been with someone who's undistracted? But our God is never distracted. He has your, he has, you have his full attention all the time, everywhere. And he loves you. He died to forgive us of all this, this mess <laughs> and to empower us to live a better life. And he longs to be with you. He longs to spend time with you. Spend time with them. I mean, that's, that's part of what you have to do. Like, you have to be able to be alone in silence, prayer, reading your Bible. If you want to get to know him, if you want to experience this life, you just, you have to do it. To remind yourself daily of his love and attention. Sherry Turkle, one of the things that she says that just stucks with me, if we, don't, if we don't learn how to be alone, undistracted, then we will always be lonely. And yet we have a God who comes who welcomes us into his presence, and that can feel very lonely. And yet he loves us deeply. And so this, this morning, we get a taste of that feast. Just a taste, communion, Lord's Supper, right? It's not much, and yet it's everything. Picture the master as you come to this table today. Picture him who's come to you, who's offered everything for you, who's given his life for you. He has a plate full of everything good, everything that you long for, everything that my heart is desperate for, that I keep running after all these other things. He has it for you. And today we get a taste. And so when you come, come with joy, come with celebration at this feast of the masters. If you're, if you're new here, let me just kind of explain how we do that. We have four stations, two up here in the front, two in the back. There's gluten-free uh, in this back corner over here. And, and whenever you're ready, make your way to, to one of those tables. We'll gather you in groups of seven or eight because it's a family meal, right? Uh, it's, it's to be celebrated together with celebration. So we'll gather you in groups, take the bread, dip it in the cup, and then when everyone has done so, eat together of this incredible, incredible feast. Uh, also, you don't have to be a member. Uh, if you love Jesus, uh, we want you to be a to join us in this. And if that doesn't describe you, we're, we're so glad that you're here. If you're maybe just questioning, like, who is Jesus? Like, what does this church thing really mean? We're so glad that you're here. I'd encourage you to take this time, um, reflect, pray, sit in the silence a little bit. 
and see what it might be like to have a God who's fully attentive to you. There's also people who will pray with you in the back if you're interested in that. Before we come, though, let me, let me just pray for us together. Let's pray. Father, Father, would you convict us, convict me of my obsession with distraction? Help me even to see the ways in which I continue to do this but don't even realize it. And God, I, I pray that I would put those things in their place, enjoy them in the right ways, but not let them control me so that I can love you and love others. God, we long for that as your people. Capture us now with your love. Help us to be gripped by the fact that you are fully attentive to us. And so even as we come to your table, Lord Jesus, our master, serve us. What an amazing thing to say. Help us to feel your love. In Christ's name, amen. Whenever you're ready, please come.